Hello everyone, Jose Zayas here, and we are in week three of our series called We Will Rise. And for the first few weeks, we looked at Jesus who said, I'm the resurrection, I'm the life. And so life is centered around him. Last week, we looked at 1 Corinthians 15, and we talked about this life to come, what's going to happen in God's future. Well, I'm thrilled um, this morning to have with us some dear friends, Stephen Vicky Marshman, and we're going to be talking together, and this is the teaching time, learning together what it means to live in light of the resurrection with our present day challenges. Uh, Steve and Vicki, thank you so much for joining me. Amen. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Now, Steve, we're going to have to pretend, Vicki, we're going to have to pretend because <laughs> we know each other, right? Yeah. yeah. But we'll take it back. Uh, we'll get to the part where you're a part of this church and life takes a turn. But let's go way back. Uh, you met and you fell in love. What was happening when you guys first met in the first place? Well, we first met at the Air Force Academy of all places. That's where we went to school. Yeah. Uh, and I had started uh, as a freshman, not a follower of Christ, but I met a, a man who's part of the Navigator Ministry, which is pretty popular in the military circles, and he taught me how to read the Bible. And I became a Christian uh, and really just fell in love with the Word of God, who, which I really believe is, is just it's the most amazing collection of books on the planet. And come my senior year, uh, I knew who Vicky was because there were, weren't that many women at the academy in that, at the time, that year. Like how many people? It's about ten percent of our class. How many are class. in the Air Force Academy, like give or take, uh, at the time? Our class graduated eight hundred and fifty, okay. and the freshman class was about fifteen hundred. So okay, got it. we lost about half along the wow. way usually. And yeah, ninety of those were women. <laughs> yeah. So Whoa. yeah, you're part of the elite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lee, and she's. Five foot two, so she was the cute petite one that I fell in love with, but I didn't even know her. I had never talked to her. Yeah. Um, the way we met, oddly, because we're going to be talking about medical stuff, I, I actually had a bowel obstruction and spent five weeks in the hospital because it didn't go well. And Vicky first met me right after that, literally like within a week of getting out of the hospital, she met me. And I was just this wow. stick figure of a person because I hadn't, literally hadn't eating food for five weeks. So oh my gosh. She didn't know I was going to get this size, but she... <laughs> <laughs> so, but. And Vicky, like, you're, you're really elite. If only 90 are graduating that are female, that's amazing. When you went to the Air Force Academy, mm -hmm. did you think you'd find a husband there, or is that a surprise? That wasn't part of the plan. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to get my degree and, you know, get out there and, and start working in the Air Force. Um, turned out, I'm not tall enough to fly, so I was going to be an engineer. Okay. Did you go in wanting to be a pilot? I did. Oh, wow. Found out I wasn't tall enough. Oh, my. Yeah, which is, is fine. It worked yeah. out fine. Yeah. And yeah. I don't, I have no regrets. <laughs> and so you both, did you both graduate same year? We did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Same year. And how did you come to faith then? Before Steve or after Steve? Oh, after Steve. In oh. fact, I think I was probably his uh, first person he led to Christ. Absolutely. Look at that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> We started yeah. dating, and we dated our senior year at the academy. Okay. And then we dated the year he went through pilot training. All right. And then we got married after that, and it was, um, I mean, he talked to me about Jesus. Yeah. I wasn't very open to it. Got it. That's an Just, understatement. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I mean, I grew up in the Bible Belt. Bible belt. You'd think I would just be all over it, but I was yeah. very resistant to it. Yeah. Um, and then we went through, uh, he was attending a church, and we went through their pre-Cana classes. Okay. And 
the, the very first one, the pastor sits us down and talks to us, and he talks, and he, uh, he asks us for our story. I'm like, what story would you like? <laughs> <laughs> Which version? <laughs> he quickly figures out I'm not a Christian, huh. and he, he lays out the gospel for me, but he got to the part where we're all sinners and unworthy, and none yeah. of us are, and I just shut down on him. Wow. I did. I was so angry. It's like, who are you to judge me as unworthy? Huh. And, and he, he pulled Steve aside later and said, so about that passage about the unequally yoked, yeah. you need to read <laughs> we that We had a again. private meeting. He said, you can't get married to her just yet. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. yeah. And I was a little taken aback because I had only been a, a believer for three years. Man. I didn't know about this whole bit about unequally yoked or anything. Yeah. And so, okay, both you, you both graduate. You're starting your careers. Give us a little bit of, of your family and even take us up to now. I mean, okay. you got married and yeah. and how many children yeah. and yeah. any grandchildren? Oh, absolutely grandchildren. <laughs> but we had we have two children, Kelsey and Jamie. And uh, Kelsey was born when we were in Germany in the Air Force. Mm. And then uh, Vicky likes to say Jamie's our last souvenir from Germany because we didn't realize when we left that she was pregnant with Jamie. But Surprise. that was a wonderful, wonderful... Uh, reception gift and and now they're both grown and they're following the Lord and they've both married wonderful men yeah. and they each have two children of their own now so we have four grandchildren yeah. uh, the oldest is a boy Patrick and then three girls and wow. the youngest Amelia Grace was just born February 27th Gosh. she's about a month old and talk about timing and that's oh, that's glorious yeah, yeah and that's good times to be yeah. able to now we're fortunate that I all your tar your daughters live here. Their families are here, mm -hmm. and we're all part of the same church. Yes, which is a unique blessing. Yep, yep. But things don't always go according to plan. I mean, you left the military to speed people up, and then you got into the investment business. Yep. Eventually, mm -hmm. I did. Yeah. And then you started on the leadership team at an emerging church called yeah. Solid Rock. Yep. And here we are. We planted together eight years ago. Yeah, amazing. Eight years ago. Yeah. By the time people are watching that like a few days later, yep. from eight years ago. Yep. Yeah. And so you've been a part of the story of the church from the beginning. We've had some highs, and we've had some really deep lows. Mm -hmm. Maybe just for the help of the people who are, are watching now, you got some news. I, I don't want to get the timing wrong. I think it was like the end of 2018. Is that right? Or? It was actually um, January of 2018. January of 2018. Started, my health started to go downhill right. pretty quick. Right. And then March, end of March, 2018, actually March 30th. Um, I believe it was the day after I Easter. Had, I had tests. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I think remember. it was. Yeah. I had tests yeah. run, and they came back that I had acute myeloid leukemia. Hmm. April 1st, I'm in the hospital in St. Vincent's, and they're putting in a, the first round of chemo. Wow. It was that quick. Yeah. And you've been having medical challenges before then. Like, they're... Things were off, but yes. but no one ever thought leukemia. Right? No, they no. didn't. It, it just didn't present the way right. it normally did. But they ran a bone marrow biopsy, right. and they found it. And then, Vicki, maybe help us like through this story. We're talking about March of or April of 2018. Yeah. You go through all of the treatment. Give us just a little bit about what happened, the chemo, radiation, and even a transplant, right? Yeah, Um no radiation, but I did okay. have uh, three rounds of chemo in between April and the end of June. And then the end of June, I went back in to OHSU 
for a bone marrow transplant. Yeah. And God was gracious. My, uh, you have to have a donor for a yeah. bone marrow transplant. My donor was my sister. Man. She older or younger? She's one year younger. One year younger. Yeah, one oh. year younger. She just stepped up to the plate and said, whatever you need, whenever you need it. Just as Flew feisty. out from Florida. <laughs> yeah. And stayed as long as it took to uh, extract her uh, stem cells. Yeah. And when it comes to matching, she was like as good of a match they as look you for, have, right? Yeah, they look for 14 points when they match. Right. She met all 14. That sounds She couldn't have been any better Yeah. as a match. So July 3rd, I had a bone marrow transplant, which was the biggest non-event of the whole <laughs> thing huh. because I just laid there and they hung a little bag from my rack. And, and her stem cells went into my bloodstream. And that was my bone marrow transplant. Huh. I would have thought it would have been a lot. I hear transplant, I think, a lot yeah. more graphic. Yeah, it's, it's changed a lot. It's right. a lot easier on the donor and a lot easier on, on the person yeah. receiving the transplant. Now, the next few weeks were not a lot of fun. Yeah. Right. So your the day immune, of easy, but the rest of the ride was yeah, no good. Your immune system has to rebuild itself. And, and that was, you know, there were some ups and downs. There's some discomfort. <laughs> Useless factoid. Do I have this right? Because you have her like bone marrow or whatever is in there, if you were to have a DNA testing, would it truly show you or her? Um, blood? Yeah, in terms of, right, yeah. If it it would show her. It would show her. Like, yes. She is <laughs> inside of you. She yes. is inside of this me. This is so amazing yeah. technology. It is incredible. My well, this, bone marrow is her bone marrow. Right, right. And so you, you go along, now we're obviously fast-forwarding yes. painful ups and downs. This was not an easy ride for either of you. Um, and then what are you waiting for? So you get through the bone marrow, and you're hoping things will just yeah. go well, right? It went well immediately afterwards. The, the leukemia was totally gone. Yeah. My bone marrow was completely clear. I had good counts in my blood cells. Yeah. So things were looking up, and it was good for about a year right. until about June right. of 2019. Got it. And then some problems started to come up. Yeah. And I had a few issues with my body. Well, my more like my new immune system not not accepting my body. Okay. And and that was some issues that that caused some pain and some muscle problems. And then in October, it started to get worse, just tired and mm. achy and. The, my oncologist decided she needed to run another bone marrow biopsy. And when she did, she found that the leukemia had come back. Yeah. Now, when you went in for that, I know it may be hard to piece all of it together. Did you already have a sense when you I go in for an exam like that? Do you kind of know or was it a surprise when the news came back? I knew something was wrong. Okay. I didn't think it was that. Right. It was, um, I'm going to be perfectly honest, it was devastating yeah. to have it come back. Yeah. Because the odds are not good of survival. Right. And so you're looking at that and you're going, well, what do we do with this? Yeah. This is not where I thought I would be because it had been a year and a half and I expected by that time. Right. You're going to you know, be up and all's going to be well. Yeah. At the same time, because for those watching, your daughter is pregnant with another I know. grandchild. That's right. Kelsey yeah. was due in f February with, with our fourth, Amelia Grace. And you're sitting there. I'm, I got off the phone with the doctor, and I hung up. And I'm just sitting there at my desk, and I'm thinking, am I going to see her? Yeah. 
I mean, thoughts like that run through your mind as much as you think it wouldn't be. I mean, it's not productive, you know that. It's not right. helpful, but you can't help going yeah. to those places. Am I going to see her? Yeah, yeah. And Steve, to kind of to bring you in, um, you're involved in it, you're in it, you're on the side of it. You're not physically unwell, you're, you're healthy, but you're watching your wife go through this. Uh, when you went in for that appointment to find out, did you have any sense? Or was it the same thing, like, we don't know? No, it, it was a total shock. I think the oncology world is full of stats, and the one-year point was a really big, big hurdle to get over, and we had gotten over that. So right. I'm not sure if it was a false sense of optimism, but right. we kind of thought, okay, we're, we've got this uh, lick, but the, the re minor rejection she was talking about, we kind of thought it was just more of that. Right. And they were starting to administer some different medications to control that. So we we're just assuming that we're going to have to change up meds. She's had so many medications in the last two years. We've yeah. lost track long ago. But that's kind of where our minds were. And then we found out leukemia again? you got to be kidding me. Yeah. It, was, it was a kick in the belly. It really was. Yeah. For a while, you're just... You can't, you can't breathe or talk, you're just numb. Yeah. Everyone has a, their own story, but thank you. I know, uh, disclaimer, you guys don't like to talk about yourselves. You don't want to be the center of attention. But thank you for actually sharing bluntly what it's like because we all are either walking through something or definitely walking through something with someone, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So the goal of, of to our conversation isn't just to hear your story, but to get in real time, in light of Jesus' death and resurrection, he is the resurrection and the life, we know that. But how do we navigate the now, the now moments, and be honest, right? Mm -hmm. And not just mask what's really painful. So maybe we could talk a little bit about Easter week, because we happen to be coming on Easter week, right? Uh, today in the church calendar is Palm Sunday when everyone's watching this. It's the week before the resurrection, and in Jesus's move towards Jerusalem, which he had already pre-planned, nobody knew it yet, he's coming to fulfill his calling as God's Messiah. There's some passages in there that speak to the tension between God, well, you know that you're real, but God, why are we going through this? Maybe you could share a passage with, with us. Either one of you want to read it. Start, because yeah. in talking beforehand, you had some reflections on mm -hmm. Scripture. I just asked them what Scripture has been meaningful in this season. So maybe you could read something for us and we can talk about it for a bit. Sure. I'll, I would be pleased to start. For me, what brings me the greatest peace, if I can get out of my own head, <laughs> is the fact that knowing as much as I'm suffering, Jesus suffered more. Yeah. So he understands yeah. what I'm going through. And a, a passage that holds meaning for me is when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And where, where is and that? And we're at Mark 14, Mark 14, verses 32 through 36. And, and the Bible says, They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, 
and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He was deeply distressed and troubled, and I've been deeply distressed and troubled. Yeah. And it's meaningful to me that what I suffered, my emotional turmoil, he's felt too. So it makes me feel like he really understands what I'm going through. Yeah. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And I, I read that, and I see that he felt sorrow. He didn't want to do it. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he was angry or upset when he's praying. Maybe, maybe not. The Bible doesn't say that. But I feel that he felt the emotions and the mental anguish that you go through when you're truly suffering. And for me, that helps. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second part is Steve will read is he's actually with us when we suffer. Yeah, you've had this, uh, we've quoted it a few times. Ironically, you know, people don't often feed back on what happens on a Sunday. But Steve, honestly, I've gotten more feedback from that little quote. We just had the conversation at the hospital mm -hmm. where you had this Bible reflection, but maybe some people would have missed it, not even heard it. Uh, we're at the hospital, you were up. I couldn't even see you because you were in, I think ICU at the time. And you had this um, unveiling, revealing about God and suffering. Maybe you could share a bit about that. Sure, sure. I, I think I have to backtrack a little bit to my previous understanding of God. Yeah. Uh, just the way I view him as a character. Um, before he became a Christian, uh, it wasn't a very accurate view of God, but I, I just viewed him as this kind of stern, stoic uh, father in heaven. And when things went bad, He's just looking down on us and saying, deal with it. Um, and obviously the Bible has a very much better uh, picture of God than that. And sometimes you know, the, the best way we could describe God the Father is compassionate, and he is compassionate. And when I've prayed to him most of my life, I've just viewed him as a person who sits across from me and is a great listener, is, you know, and empathizes, sympathizes, all of that, and listens intently. Um, but through this process, I've come to realize that when we're grieving and when we're in pain, like when Jesus was in the garden praying to his Father, and when I was in the ICU with Vicky and praying for her, um, I just had a new, I, don't, I won't call it a vision, but I just a new understanding of the way God listens to us. He is an empathetic, compassionate, sympathetic listener, but he also grieves with us. And in that time of sorrow, I just felt that God was weeping yeah. with me. And I can never get through this without crying because there was just a lot of times in the hospital when I would literally just cry out to God, why are you doing this? Why won't you make it stop? How long is this going to last? And some nights were all night. Yeah. And, and some, fortunately, Vicki doesn't remember those because in the ICU you get, you, you get a little delirious and forget things. But I remember reading through 
the Psalms one night, the nurse recommended that maybe, because Vicky was really agitated and unsettled and obviously very uncomfortable and squirming around. And one of the nurses, and by the way, the nurses in, at OHSU are insanely good. Uh, she said, well, maybe you could just read to her because your voice may soothe her. And I didn't know what to read, so I had my Bible. I had my, it was dark in the ICU because we we're trying to have her sleep. So I had my Kindle and I, I just pulled up the Psalms and yeah. I just started at Psalm 1 and then prayed and then Psalm 2 and then prayed. And I remember that night getting to Psalm 22. So it was a long night. I'm actually going to pull that. I think I yeah. have it marked here. And Psalm 22 is actually the one that starts, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. And, and uh, that was a turning point that night, because uh, that, obviously, Jesus, as Vicky said, Jesus' suffering is way worse than anything we'll go through. But that was, that was Vicky that night, you know, just no rest, we're crying out, it's not over. You know, later in this psalm, it, it, in verse 15, it says, My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You know, all night long, I was taking a little sponge and wetting Vicky's mouth, because they wouldn't even let her have ice chips. Wow. Because she was delirious, and they were worried about her swallowing an ice chip and aspirating. So she was constantly asking for water and, uh, and her lips were just parched and it's just an uncomfortable thing and and I remember asking God what's, what's the purpose in this what's the reason for this this, this stinks this is horrible um, but then I got to Psalm 23 which Vicky's actually taught on and it's probably the most famous passage in scripture and then about that time we I started playing some worship songs on my iPhone because I was just, frankly, I was just tired of reading, so I yeah. <laughs> supplemented with, with uh, some songs. And, and I could, it, was, it was fascinating to watch her countenance change from sad, agitated, to just rest. And God finally answered that prayer, and yeah. it, was, it was amazing. But the whole time, I, I, I didn't feel like God was just listening. He was weeping with me, weeping yeah. with us, wow. which is just incredible yeah. that the creator of the universe is here weeping with us and grieving with us. Yeah, which is not, um, not everyone's understanding of God, is it? No. Yeah. <clears throat> well, there's, there's so much, man, I, I can go a thousand different directions. I'm just curious because um, you both have been leaders in the church and as elders have stepped into people's tough circumstances. Part of leadership in any organization, especially the church, is to be there. And when are medical professionals usually there? You know, for the annual checkup, you're doing fine, great, well done. Or mostly when things are not well. So you've experienced help and care for other people. Now, not to sound extreme, you're on the other side of the table. Mm -hmm. And maybe you could help us a, a little bit what have you learned? You've shared a little bit of what you learned about God. Uh, what have you learned about God, Vicki, or yourself? Like, this has been a few years in the journey. What, what would you want to, people to know about what you've just learned about as a human, 
as a mom, as a wife, anything. What, yeah. what have you learned about yourself? Well, I've learned a lot. I've learned I'm not nearly as tough as I think I am. <laughs> yeah. And you are tough. I would, I would <laughs> like, I'm going to disagree with you there. She's one tough lady. <laughs> I've, I've learned that, that what you put your faith in, or rather who you put your faith in, is everything. Yeah. Let me, let me tell you a story. I'm in the hospital. It's before my bone marrow transplant. They're pumping me through the worst chemo you can imagine. So I'm feeling like doggy doo-doo. Yeah. And it's late. Everybody's gone home. But I can't sleep. So I'm watching a movie. And I'm an Avenger gal. I love the whole series. And so <laughs> Which I'm is watch- one of the many reasons I love you. <laughs> yes. I'm watching the first where they're all together Avengers. The one where Loki is the bad guy. <laughs> and it gets to the end of the movie. And all the other Avengers have fought Loki and kind of got handed their heads on a platter. Yeah. And, and the Hulk shows up. And he grabs Loki by the ankle and he takes him. He goes, wham, 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 wham. And he hits him on the floor. Yeah. And he's standing there holding Loki by the ankle. And he looks down and he goes, puny God. Yeah. He says that, puny God. And it hit me. What if I worshipped a puny God? Yeah. What if my God couldn't do what he said he would do? Yeah. What if he'd been like Loki and all the warriors that followed Loki in the battle died? Mm. What if I put my trust in the wrong person? Mm. And I sat there and I thought, and then I, it just came to mind to me all the times that God had been there. I had the quickest recovery from my first round of chemo mm-hmm. that you could have. My sister was a perfect 14 match for my bone marrow transplant. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often. Yeah. My, my uh, rounds of chemo in between my first round and, and my bone marrow transplant went easily. Yeah. And my body was responding well to this new chemo. And I would later find out that you know, the bone marrow transplant went well. Yeah. He'd been there for me. He'd walked this journey with me. He'd been there when I'd cried out. You know, you wake up early in the hospital because <laughs> every four hours they're there for you. Smoking <laughs> and checking. At 4 a.m. you are up. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a great time for Bible reading. But I'm reading the Psalms and I'm reading the laments and I'm, I'm, it's like he's talking to me. You're not going through this alone. Yeah. You're not doing this by yourself. And I realized I don't worship a puny God. Yeah. I worship a strong, magnificent creator God yeah. that understands what I've been through. Yeah. yeah. And I'll never forget that visual. That yeah, I'm never going to see Avengers the same. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. So for me, I've learned that I've put my faith in the right God. Yeah. So I can have faith and hope. And I can have patience and perseverance, and I can be faithful in prayer, yeah. which is a bad misquote of, of Romans eight twelve. But you know, <laughs> that's a, cut that's me some slack. <laughs> yeah. Well, but but to the to the to the skeptic, I mean, you you both came to faith, you know, as top of your class, Air Force Academy, career driven, very intelligent. I could say it as an outsider who knows you. She's the smarter one, as you would Absolutely, confess. Yes. But but engineers and thinkers, you come to faith, and I know that you've taught people like 
Genesis and creation and the, the rational side of why we believe what we believe. Have there been times, though, where the experience has made you wonder, man, am I on solid ground? What's that journey been like? Have there been moments where you've said, I, I'm not sure if this is all... Because I know people I speak to sometimes, life makes them rethink what they believe. What, what's been your experience? Uh, yes is the answer. Yeah. I mean, I, I think um, to not have an occasional doubt yeah. um, means you're probably just not thinking about God very much. Right. Because things happen that make absolutely no sense. And in our rational, you know, people like to talk, we're post-enlightenment mind. We like to have things make sense. Right. And this doesn't make sense. And to get leukemia again, you know, you hear people say, well, God has a plan. And there's times I'm saying, well, his plan stinks. Because yeah. this isn't a good plan. And why, why would, and maybe, maybe this isn't part of God's plan. Maybe he allows it. Or maybe I'm wrong about this whole faith thing. And every once in a while, your mind right. goes there. But usually something will happen that just reels you back. Yeah. Um, you'll meet a person. Um, the first night in uh, the ICU, which I had never been into IC an ICU and never want to be in one again for any reason, except maybe visiting a friend. <laughs> but uh, I didn't know what was going on. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm sleep de deprived. I'm starting to really question a lot of things. And then... Oh, our nurse is from 26 West. Hi, Sonny. Um, wow. And it just kind of went, wow, okay, so Jesus is throwing me a, a lifeline, you know. <laughs> um, and sometimes it's with Christians and sometimes it's not with Christians. Yeah. Uh, our neighbor, um, wonderful man, is a doctor at the hospital, and he and I have had great conversations about my Christian faith, his Hindu faith, um, but even through talking to him about Vicky being in the ICU, some things that happened in the ICU didn't make sense. When she recovered, it was a little bit of a surprise to the doctors right. there. And it was right when people were gathering to prayer, uh, yeah. really pray around us. You know, I walked out into the waiting room and Jamie and Patty Herring were just in the waiting room praying. They didn't even text me and tell me they're coming. Yeah. They just felt the Holy Spirit tell them now's the time to go pray. And they did. And That was on they, a Sunday, wasn't it? was a it? Sunday before church. Because, yeah, I kicked them out to come to church. Yeah, the, it was an interesting time. <laughs> they just led by God's goodness, wanted to go and be close to pray. In a morning that was a real turnaround morning, yeah. And then I end up seeing him afterwards, yeah, like, yeah, we just, yeah. this morning, <laughs> what a great elder. Hey, go to church. <laughs> Be with God's people. Pray with us later. <laughs> I but it. I guess for the, the summarize that is every yeah. time I see God not making sense yeah. in something like this, I see him not making sense in a good way. Yeah. Um, you know, Vicki and I have talked a lot about the time in the hospital and... One of the things that was crazy good that makes no sense is uh, my brother Mike has been super helpful. He's my go-to phone call. Um, and his wife Shay organized the small group of just three ladies, herself, Deborah Middleton, and, and 
uh, Rhonda Isaacson to come be with Vicky yeah. when I needed a break. And because everybody was telling me, when Vicky gets out of the hospital, you need to be healthy and on your A game. Right. So don't kill yourself here and get rest, get fed, which means you got to get away. And here are these three ladies were regularly coming by, and they're sitting with Vicky, and she can't even converse with them. Right. She doesn't even remember half the time they were there. I yeah. don't remember any of the time they were there. I'm sorry to say. What an intriguing experience, yeah. right? Like, yeah. You're hearing about you yeah. from your husband. It's like I go to sleep one night and I wake up and it's six nights later. Huh. Well, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> well, from what I know from the side conversations, I'm kind of glad you don't remember. Yes. So I'm, am I. I'm going to yeah. count that as the goodness of That's God. That's just another blessing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I am sharing a lot of her funnier quotes because I, there are times she said some pretty funny stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 this is a good like transition point, too, because... This conversation is a Bible conversation, believe it or not, because I think part of growing as Jesus followers is taking what God has said and working it into ordinary life, right? So what happened to Jesus on his way towards the cross is impacting how you see leukemia in 2020, yep. which is, is amazing. And you've had this, because you've said it in your emails multiple times, I don't want to misquote it, so I'm going to put you on the spot, that... In times of trouble, there are things that you can hold on to and everyone should hold on to. Oh, yeah. What, what, what are those things? It's Give, easy. It's yeah. easy. It's, I think it's three. Jesus, or? family, friends. Okay, like I want people to grab that yeah. again. And that, that's Jesus, family. Jesus, family, friends. And, and that, tease, tease that out a little bit. You know, back in, in the very beginning, when Vicky was first diagnosed with leukemia, a very typical question we would get is, how are you dealing with this? You know, how, how? This is hard. And it just came to me one, one day. Well, first, Jesus. Second, family. You know, our daughters have been right. rock solid through this. And this is a hard thing for a daughter to go through. They have godly husbands, and they're wonderfully distracted by four toddlers <laughs> between the two of them. <laughs> a lot of diapers going on. Oh, yeah. So that's a good thing. But... Uh, and then I already mentioned my brother and my yeah. sister-in-law, and you know, so family is huge, yeah. and then friends. And you know, I, we could be here for hours listing and uh, friends that have come by and prayed and visited and and notes and texts and food and yeah. that. I don't want to call it a formula, but that's how you do it. That's yeah. how you. That's how you survive. Right. Jesus, family, friends. It's. Yeah. Sounds simple, but it's what what's what happens, and I do I do get really saddened by sometimes you see and we see a lot of other people in the hospital that right. are cancer patients, and some of them are alone, and some of them don't have a faith, and some of them don't know Jesus, and wow, I mean to go through what Vicky's going through right now without Jesus. The only word that comes to my mind is terrifying. It would yeah. be terrifying. Well, it sounds like it's terrifying with Jesus. Well, it but, is sometimes. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, not having that. You know, this reminds me, being Easter week, um, the disciples who think Jesus is going to usher in this like physical kingdom. Like mm -hmm. he, he's going to kick out Caesar and everyone else. Yeah. He's crucified. They seem to have each other there. Hold up, hiding in houses, wondering what to do next. I, 
I feel like at times maybe we're put in those same yeah. positions. You've been super helpful to... Uh, on yeah, that, before please. you... Do, I just, one of the things that I noticed as I started looking up suffering passages um, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the three synoptic Gospels, after every, in every Gospel, as soon as Peter confessed that Jesus was a Messiah, the next thing he told the group is, I'm going to suffer. Mm. in all three Gospels. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah. All right, now you figured out a Messiah. I'm not, I'm not going to be the king and take out Rome like you think. I'm actually going to suffer. And that's the word he uses. The yeah. Son of Man came to suffer. And that's part of the thing that makes you say, oh, okay, this doesn't make sense, so I need to read more. I need to figure yeah. out what's going on. And obviously the rest of the story is amazing because yeah. he comes to suffer and he comes to be resurrected to glory. Yeah. And then we share in those sufferings with him, and that's all over the scriptures, that we share in the sufferings with Christ so that we could also share in the glory of the new heaven and the new earth. But Which is the weird one, because you know, he suffers for us, mm -hmm. right? And pays a debt we could never pay. But yet we are suffering along with him yes. as his disciples. And there's multiple camps that could lead you in weird directions. Mm -hmm. Those who say, all suffering is a lack of faith, which I think most, what we would say is like, what are you talking about? Yeah, that, yeah. that's not, that can't be right. And then others who may miss the beauty and the joy that God wants to bring through the suffering and just focus on the event and miss what God may want to teach us. It'd be really helpful to walk us through the good stuff that you've learned from each other. But we do need to know the other side. Um, as humans, we sometimes don't know what to do. You know, you hear when someone's gone through something that you haven't gone through, we default to whatever we think is going to be helpful, don't we? Mm, yeah. Like, we, 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 most are not mean and trying yeah. to be hurtful, but sometimes helping hurts. <laughs> so maybe you can, you can help us because you love us and you love the church and you love people who are watching. We're, if we're not in the middle of it already, we're going to be presented with people who are going through profound suffering yeah. that we can't relate to. Can you just give us some words of wisdom? Um, I'll give you a couple. Yeah, and, and be the full Vicky of bluntness, <laughs> okay. please. If you have done any of these things, <laughs> yes. do not be upset. <laughs> yeah, because we've all done it. <laughs> we, we have done <laughs> it. And, and you just learn as you walk through it. But yeah. when you're going through something, and people have prayed that it would go away and that you would be healed and it doesn't happen. It takes you to a place that it's hard to have someone come up to you and go, oh, I just know God's going to heal you. Well, he's obviously not done that. Yeah. And it doesn't look like he's going to do that. Yeah. So to hear that is not helpful. Mm. In fact, it makes you doubt your own faith. It's like, well, what am I missing? What am I doing wrong? if he's not healing me. Yeah. So I think sometimes people can receive a word or a vision and then they, right. they want to share it and, and that's true. But a lot of times we say that because that's what we're taught to say. You're going to get through this. Yeah. You're going to be okay. I just know you're going to be fine. And sometimes you're not. You're just not. And you need to be able to accept that. Mm. I guess I found what's most helpful is if... If you walk with me, if you actually say, I'm really sorry, there's nothing you can do about it. I know that. You know that. That's okay. 
Just the fact that you acknowledge that I'm having a tough time and I'm not at my best and I'm not going to be at my best is enough. It's enough to have someone acknowledge that you're grieving and that you're suffering. And you just feel like, okay, I'm not in this alone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, guilty as charged. But, but <laughs> we can't help it. But but this is helpful, and I know it's going to help me as I walk through this with other people. Anything else? Because I I know there are things that sound good, but don't pan out that well. Yeah, I think another one that, um, and I'm going to piggyback on what Vicky said. Everybody that came and talked to us did it out of love. Right. So that yeah. that trumps what they're saying. Yeah. But the reality, I think, is what we're talking about. Right. Is some things people say are more helpful than what other things yes. that people say. So I think everybody wants to know, what are the helpful things? And what are things to maybe not say? And one of the things I found out, especially since this has been a long journey, journey and this is, we're going on year three with this, I've had so many stories about other people's illnesses and sicknesses and the the thought is usually well I'm going to tell you my story and how God fixed it and how this worked and and that'll encourage you after a while you just get tired of hearing about all the ugly stories yeah. and you're just like oh I don't I don't want to hear another example of how you were sick and healed or your friend was sick and healed because Vicky's sick and she's not healed and after a while, they actually just get draining to hear story after story after story. Even though uh, the person saying it to us is, is trying to help. Right. Uh, what's w much, much more helpful is to figure out a need. And they're usually pretty obvious. And by the way, one of the needs is to not talk about leukemia. Like, talk about anything but it. You know, that's one of the most helpful things you can do. Yeah. If you have a friend and you, you're into whatever, golf, bicycling, whatever, Focus talk, on fo that. Talk, talk about that. It's such a relief because yeah. after a while, your brain is just, I just, I just want to walk away from this for a moment, you know, and you could do that to a pretty high level. Uh, uh, Christian Isaacson, the, the athlete in the church, uh, he came over to my house when actually his wife Rhonda was sitting with Vicky. So he said, hey, I'm going to bring my bike trainer over. We'll go, we're going to set up our bike trainers in the garage and ride. So we rode for an hour in my garage, and we never talked about anything medical. Yeah. We just talked about other stuff. And I remember just feeling the weight come off my shoulder. It was super helpful, those types of things. Yeah. And then the other thing I will also just mention, it's part of the one thing I've learned about myself is that I can get pretty cranky when I'm tired. <laughs> I mean, I knew I could, but now I really know I could. Yeah. And I've told myself I need to choose grace yeah. because in these situations, you're just around a lot of people that are worn down and tired. And it could be the nurses, it could be the doctors, it could be Vicki and me talking to each other. Um, you know, she just tells me the way it is, like one day in the hospital. I was trying to help her and I said, Honey, you know, you cold, you hot, can I get you a warm blanket? And she looked at me and said, if you don't know the answer to that question after 36 years of marriage, <laughs> okay, I'll go get you a warm blanket. Always get the warm I'll blanket. I'll go get you a warm blanket. <laughs> <laughs> How do you not yeah. know this by uh, now? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so that's how Vicky chooses grace. I just said, 
Yes, Vicky, I will get that. Yeah. You know, I could have gotten upset at her, like, hey, I'm just trying to help, right. which I've done, by the way, full confession. But it, it, if you preempt your mind to choose grace when you're tired and worn out and just done yeah. with it, it helps sometimes, not all the time, sorry. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I've learned about myself that I didn't expect is, you know, if, if you had asked me when we first got married, when you've been married 36 years, what are you going to do to fall more in love? I would have picked like a nice vacation with a, you know. Drinks with umbrellas. Drinks with umbrellas. <laughs> you know, definitely warm sun. And here, it, it, I, I, I actually found myself falling deeper in love with Vicky while yeah. she was dying yeah. just because of who she is and how she handled it in the yeah. ICU. It was just amazing. Yeah. Um, and I also saw all the nurses tell me, you've, you've got a good wife here. Yeah. And they see a lot of people. And I go, yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. And her quotes are, some of her quotes are on the wall, I'm told, in the nurse's lounge. <laughs> like, do you want any melatonin, Vicky, to help you sleep? No. Eating, taking melatonin is like eating parsley. <laughs> of course. <laughs> like, where did you get that from? Serves no useful purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Some true. doctors might argue with parsley? that, but uh, <laughs> it evidently doesn't Parsley is a key. decoration. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're both so incredible, and your love transfers even through a screen, because I see it, we all know it, and it's such a beautiful thing to see people who love Jesus and actually do love each other, even through the hardest stuff. Well, we have in front of us the bread and the cup. I've seen interesting expressions on Instagram on people taking communion together, some with vanilla wafers and orange juice. I just don't know if that's like what we're going for. <laughs> but as a church, as a community, if you're already following Jesus, like Steve and Vicky are, like I am, we invite you. We do this often, and some people say, how often? You know, some churches do it once a month. I think that's cool, and other churches like ours, we do it every time the church is together. My parents love one another and after breakfast do their devotions and take communion, remembering that Jesus is there. How often? Yes. Well, we're going to do it this week. And so grab uh, some bread, grab some juice, grab some wine. And uh, Steve, maybe, maybe both of you can lead us in, in prayer, getting ready for it. But any last thoughts or verses you would want to leave with us? Yeah, Vicki and I talked about that. Yeah. And uh, the passage we chose is Philippians Chapter 3, verses 10 to 14. Okay. Philippians 3, 10 to 14. It, it reads really well in the NIV, but it reads even better in the New Living Translation. Give us whatever you got. So I have the New Living, and I'm just going to read it to you, and then uh, maybe both of us can pray for the bread and cup. Uh, um, but this passage really speaks to what we've been talking about, the suffering and also the resurrection uh, to come. So Philippians 3... Verse 10, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing him in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. 
No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And Lord, today we just, uh, as a church, we come before you and we echo these words. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And Lord, we thank you that you've come uh, to die for us and these symbols represent the completed work of the cross. Uh, the bread representing your body, which suffered mightily and you gave for us, and uh, the, the blood of the covenant, the cup that represents life. As you are raised from the dead, you are fully alive, and we get to be fully alive with you one more day. And Father, for those that are going through tough times, that are suffering right now, mm -hmm. we just pray that they, they feel the reality of you who suffered and understands what we're suffering, and who suffers with us and grieves with us. And Father, we just pray that they feel your presence, that they feel the Holy Spirit in their hearts. Father, we just pray, and we thank you that you give us these, uh, these ways to draw close to you like the bread and the cup, Father. And we just thank you. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, if you're like me, you've been uh, touched by not just hearing their story, but what God has to say in Scripture about our present suffering. And they're not alone. We're all going through things. And now we're going to respond uh, for most of us. Uh, we're going to have worship. We're going to sing and talk about God and sing to God and His goodness. But if you are going through anything, our prayer team is right there. If you're watching live, there's actually a prayer button. All you need to do is click and you will be uh, put into a one-on-one -on -one chat with one of our team, and we would love to start this journey with you and pray together, even though it's by typing and over chat. Don't feel like you're left alone in this. Uh, for the rest of us, we're going to sing. And if you're watching this afterwards on our YouTube channel, all you need to do is, if you want prayer for anything, in this time where we can't be together face-to-face, -to -face, right on the front of our website, right on the main page, 26westchurch.org, you can just click prayer and it will take you up, give us your name, exactly what you're going through. Our prayer team is getting this and praying for it, not just once, but day in and day out. We would love to join you in this. Uh, thank you so much. And now let's respond to Jesus in worship. 